Welcome, friends, and thank you for listening. I'm Scott Sullivan, Discipleship Catalyst with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and our team exists to strengthen Georgia Baptist churches in the area of discipleship. We've developed three tools just for you. The Watershed Principle, which identifies the six main ministries of the church that must be healthy to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. The Spark Conference. Last year's conference saw over 33,000 views from 45 different states and 18 countries. This year's conference will premiere on August the 12th with best-selling author Tony Evans, Ben Mandrell, president of Lifeway, and David Kinneman, the president of the Barna Group. We also have learning communities that are set up throughout Georgia, which exist to help you finish the task of leading your family in ministry well. You can see our website to find one near you. Also, every Thursday at 3 p.m., you can catch this broadcast through Facebook, Instagram, or multiple podcast platforms. Now, let's join today's broadcast. Hey, friends, thanks for engaging with us, Georgia Baptist Discipleship. And if you will, please drop into the chat where you're engaging from and get entered into the the free drawing that we're going to have as we give away product today, as we do every week. Now, uh, I think every week we do this is super important and it's strong. But there are certain times when we bring on people that's just a little extra special. And today's one of those. I've got Dr. PJ Dunn, our Southwest Discipleship Consultant and the president of Table for One Ministries on with us today, but also super excited to have Dr. Amir Kanner, uh, president of Truett McConnell University. And he grew up, if you don't know him, he's uh, from Columbus, Ohio, grew up in a Sunni Muslim family. And um, I'll give him an opportunity to tell you more about his story, but he graduated summa cum laude from Criswell College. He completed a master's degree from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, has an earned doctorate of philosophy in history from University of Texas in Arlington. He served as a pastor. He's been in staff positions all across the nation. He's written or contributed to over 25 books. And um, so Dr. Kanner, thanks for jumping in with us. That's quite a list of accomplishments and we appreciate you taking the time to jump in. But I would probably say this, more than just all those accomplishments, Probably your greatest pride involves that family, right? Always, always, always. I, look, I never, I never thought I could be where I am here in the mountains of North Georgia. Um, my accomplishment is I graduated in the top ten percent of the bottom half of my class when I was in high school, so I was good there. And uh, <laughs> uh, never thought I'd get married, and here I am, married to a godly woman, three children, uh, two of whom are gymnasts. Uh, so I have. Uh, watched and learned from afar the incredible accomplishments they have had. And uh, my son is uh, just about a week away from graduating from high school. Uh, and through dual enrollment, he is also halfway through his sophomore year at Troop McConnell University. Oh, really, really cool. And we were joking a while ago, you know, you and I've got the the chrome dome going on and we're got PJ in here with us and, and we just don't think PJ's committed. He's, he needs to cut that hair off, but, uh, but PJ, we appreciate you being on too, buddy. How are things in South Georgia? Southwest Georgia is good. Um, you know, the, the pecan trees are blooming and so it's our, our pecans. Maybe I just, uh, showed that I've been in Texas a little too long. I think Dr. Kaner understands that controversy. 
Yes, yes. We don't say pecans in, in Louisiana where I'm from. You get beat up if you say that in Louisiana. So, hey, Dr. Kenner, let me jump in with a question here. Uh, you use this phrase that, tr- that truth is unkillable or truth is immortal often in some of your books and writings and when you speak. Uh, why does that mean so much to you? Well, uh, when I was doing my doctorate at University of Texas there at Arlington, uh, my doctorate, my thesis was on Balthasar Hubmeyer, who was a South German Anabaptist theologian and pastor. He was probably the greatest theologian of the Reformation in my mind. And he would sign off on all of his books. Uh, Truth is immortal, veritas immortalis in the Latin. Hmm. Uh, and it's because it was it was not merely his signature. If you get an email from me, you'll see the same thing. I have fully plagiarized it, not given him any credit at that point. Um but it is it was his theme of life Hmm. Uh, for him truth is unkillable which is probably the more pure translation from the german is a picture that you can try to knock down truth but as we have seen in the resurrection you can only hold it down for about three days and truth will always come back uh, flourishing and stronger than ever wow so good because in today's world when truth is um diverted so much. Uh, what a great concept. PJ? Yeah. I, okay. So um, shameless plug for amirkaner.com to, to keep up with you. We'll put that in the chat so that everybody can follow uh, what you're doing. And you're always, you know, doing active things in the community and of course at your school and with your family. And so we definitely want to keep in touch with you that way. And, you know, I'm just going to dive into to this question. So we're not all inclined to, uh, to read, to study or academics, you know, but we need to be lifelong uh, learners to be disciple leaders. We're, we're not going to get there without, you know, gaining something that we don't have to lead people in a different direction. So, you know, what have you done in your life to instill that value of being a lifelong learner? Mm. Uh, for me, I want to make sure that what I read, knowing I have a limited capacity of my time, is worthwhile reading, mm. uh, as well as expansive reading. Those are two crucial things. As a historical theologian, um, I have learned I'm not going to waste my time on regurgitations of things that are many times secondary sources built upon other secondary sources that contribute to half-truths or biases that really don't make a difference. So um, on the other hand, I adore primary sources. I love original thinking, critical thinking. I'm not looking for a book to agree with me. I'm looking for a book to engage my mind and uh, further my thought to such a way that I am more biblical afterwards, regardless of what the author's conclusions are. And then I like expansive. So I, I'm quite eclectic in what I read, what I'm reading right now, simply because I want to make sure I'm engaging an entire culture. I'm not cocooning myself within my own expertise and de facto becoming so specified that I can't reach or converse with those who have either other interests or I can touch on something in their lives that can be encouraging or evangelistic. Yeah, the quality of reading is a, is a really good way to think of that. I never thought of, you know, you're not inclined to do it because maybe you haven't been selecting the correct material to engage your mind. And, and so we have to pick quality books that are going to enhance what we don't know 
um, or maybe give us a um, an opposite opinion. You know, not reading something that agrees with you. And you know, reading reading for me is is a struggle. And so I've, I've shared it um, in most of the churches that I go to. But I'm dyslexic, and I didn't know till I finished the doctorate degree. So I just assumed that reading was just not fun my whole life, and everybody did it that way. And then once somebody tells you that, it doesn't change that I don't read. But it does change how I think about reading and the intentionality of it and not struggling with it as much. So maybe there's something that people have to to deal with there, you know, as far as their comprehension. But it's not an excuse to, to not be a learner. And so like when. OK, so what books are you reading? And, and that can go in the chat, too. Everybody's got a book uh, they should be reading or they have on their desk and they haven't opened up yet. But they're going to tell everybody they're reading. So what books are you reading right now? Well, I, I tell my students, everybody's a reader. If you go through an airport or go through our campus, it doesn't matter. They're all staring at phones and reading. Everybody's a reader. So you're mm-hmm. choosing what to instill upon yourself. Uh, now, my my reading list at the present is only going to show that I'm an absolutely oddity of an eccentric person, probably. So uh, let's see. What am I reading right now? <laughs> I am reading uh, The Tyranny of Big Tech by Josh Hawley. Uh, senator out of Missouri, uh, who argues very well in the book and actually very fluidly uh, that we are living in an age of aristocracy that was built upon the Gilded Age, where the Rockefellers of the world took over the world and removed what the Founding Father says was the virtue of the everyday worker Hmm. uh, and moved it into a consolidated centralized power within corporatism. And now you have the Zuckerbergs of the world that are doing likewise. So uh, I know that from what I've studied with the election and Zuckerberg's involvement in that thievery. Um, but that's not the only thing. I, I, I want to know even with those, okay, what's the most popular books being read in the world and to pick up on that. So right now I may sound odd. I'm reading the quotations of Mao, uh, which by the way is depending on which list you're looking at, the second or third most read book of the world, Hmm. Uh, minus the scripture. And I would also say the Quran, um, 800 million people are reading Mao's quotations. Wow. Um, And following them, it's the, it not merely impacts politically of what's going on is we're not moving towards leftist liberalism anymore. We're moving towards Marxist socialism in the United States that is a direct impact of the universities upon the next generation that then feeds into what is today and can explain a lot. You know, I was reading a, a quotation from Mao where he would say, you, you, need to, you need to support whatever your friends say and oppose whatever your enemy says. And it explains really what's going on in this coagulation of socialistic powers. Um, Oh, what else am I reading? Oh, for my book, I work my myself and Dr. Peter Lumpkins, who's one of our uh, historical theologians here as well, is finishing a book called Voices of the Free Church. So I've been reading a lot of early church fathers. My favorite, uh, being an iconoclast myself, is Tertullian. Uh, his uh, small work, you can get all of these online for free at ccel.org and other places uh, on faith and on baptism are fantastic. Uh, it really reminds you, you know, the Catholic Church in the 19th century started to make a statement that convinced a lot of Anglicans to become Catholics, that the deeper you look in church history, uh, the more you become Catholic. Well, actually, the deeper you look in church history, the more you recognize there are other people who look much like what we think today and how we act today as evangelicals and as Baptists, I would say Anabaptists. 
Um, and so I'm reading a lot of Tertullian. We're finishing up this work. It'll be hopefully out by, by August. Um, let's see here. Oh, one other book. I, it's actually not a book because what you read, everybody always consolidates in the books, but why are you consolidating simply into books? Uh, there's a, there's an article by, there's a magazine I pick up called science, religion, and culture. That's fascinating to me because of the people who write it. And this is important for pastors who are uh, trying to defend their faith and share their faith. And I'm reading about elite. This is a guy who uh, is at the university of Copenhagen, Denmark. He wrote a book called, or uh, an article called um, uh, gods and dictatorships, gods and dictatorships. Hmm. Uh, in which he's arguing, and this is so crucial, student pastors may not see this, but they'll now recognize it. We always discuss atheism, right? The belief there is no God and how many people are that, or agnosticism. And we're not sure if there's a God, uh, hard or soft agnosticism. But if you actually run into the newer generation, there is a movement most people are unfamiliar with that they need to grasp called apathyism. Uh, and in this article, uh, Gods and Dictatorships, he talks about heroical apathyism. Hmm. And you're going to see this, even though the students will not recognize it, you're going to see it within college students. It simply means God's irrelevant. They're not going to defend that he exists or doesn't exist. They're not going to call themselves agnostic or atheist. They're simply going to say God doesn't deserve to be part of this conversation because it'll be deleterious to the results and true democracy takes God out of the equation and no longer debates whether he exists or not. I would wager to guess that apathyism and, and an apathian, a person who believes in such is probably the plurality of this next gen. Mm. That's fantastic. I heard Dr. J. Strack mention a while back that the there's more recorded history in the last 15 to 20 years than in the previous history of humanity. And um, just the idea that readers are leaders. And if we're not reading, we're going to get left behind. Let me jump into this next question here. Tripp McConnell is one of our Baptist universities here in Georgia and, and has a significant part in helping students uh, make what I call that next step decision as a follower, a disciple of Jesus. For example, every year our team encounters students who say they, they feel called to ministry or adults who feel called to ministry. And, and I've always told people that, you know, a call to ministry is a call to prepare. And we're actually, as a church strengthening team, we're developing and desperately need a leadership pipeline in Georgia. Like if you're looking for a student pastor, if you're looking for a discipleship leader, an associate, if you're looking for a pastor, really all of those areas, it's tough right now to find a high capacity leader in any of those. So here's my question. What are the top three or four next steps of preparation that you suggest if a person senses that God's calling them to ministry in some capacity? You don't mind. I may back up a little bit with that, Scott, as well, because I want our pastors to go back in their own brains and remember when were you called to ministry and why? And uh, for me, my pastor, uh, Clarence Miller, man, led me to Christ, baptized me. And uh, there I was again, five years later with a call to preach. There was a regular call to ministry in my little church that never ran more than 80. Uh, that he would do annually. Hmm. 
felt like weekly sometimes. Uh, and that church of 80, as best as we can tell now, there were somewhere between 12 and 24 men called to ministry and pastorates because it was intentional. And I fear uh, for a myriad of factors, not the least of which is we are moving into an elitism that makes me fearful. Uh, we are moving away from that call. Local pastors need to have a day, I think, set aside a Sunday of the year, at least once a year, where it's a call to ministry, to missions, that we're calling out the call. With that said, uh, the first thing I would encourage, as I've encouraged young men across here, as you know, the vast majority of those who are studying ministry out of three schools actually come to Trip McConnell University. It, it, it is intentional for us. We're the only school to have a, a bachelor's degree in missions and global studies. We're the only school to have a master of divinity, master of arts and theology, a master of arts and counseling ministry, a master of global studies, etc. And so we've invested heavily in hopefully calling out the called. Mm. Uh, and I think the first step is solidifying the call. And I, I think people move past the step far too quickly to move from a yearning and a desire to a genuine lifelong call is the first tantamount uh, step to say, is this really what God wants me to do? Because we're afraid that, you know, okay, we're called. How do we dare question that? And it's not questioning it. It's pouring the foundation so deep that if God's going to build tall, he's going to have to dig deep. Then the second step is immediately walking with someone in mentorship that will, I think, will become your father in the ministry in many ways. For me, uh, I have two of them in particular, uh, Clarence Miller, who was my first pastor, but also the man who said, hey, we're going across the street to share Jesus. I never even questioned it. And so I cut my teeth so early that now that I look back, I don't even realize how privileged I was to have such a man in my life. Hmm. And he just poured into me. That mentorship, I would not be here today except for that man who, by the way, never had a, never had a college degree, had two days of Bible college. That's it. Uh, the second person was a man who I still uh, keep in contact with and one of my heroes of the faith, Paige Patterson. And he's just been a mentor. And I, I do two things. I always will I want to reach out to say thank you because I recognize that I wouldn't be where I am except the man took a risk on me, invested in me in such a way and lived a life so consistent with the gospel that it's still there. Uh, the relationship may have changed a bit, I guess, but it's that type of mentorship. So I tell the students, you got to jump into it. Not only tell them one other thing, then as you're called to ministry, there will be a point we all now look at, I'm sure Scott, you and PJ, you, where there is that massive leap of faith, that risk that goes beyond logical expectation, where you recognize it will change your life. And for me, it was, I was at Ohio State University. I was in my third year of university studies and God told me to move and to go to a Bible college and to get my degree in biblical studies. Uh, I can't explain it as rationally as I wish sometimes, but uh, it changed my life in such a way just simply because I took the step of faith. Hmm. And it was the best thing I could have ever done. It was also the most terrifying thing in that young 21-year mind that I had. And 
students have to realize that you're going to take a step that doesn't seem logical to your parents, to you, uh, but that's what faith is. I always find it amusing. People want faith to be purely sensical and rational. I get it. I'm, I'm, I don't have any emotions. My wife can tell you that. I'm not the most romantic of a husband. Uh, I'm a cerebral thinker, but faith is always uh, beyond the reason at some point, right? Mm. You don't get married knowing everything about your wife. You don't fall in love with Jesus knowing everything about Jesus. That comes with faith. It doesn't come before faith. Yeah, and Dr. Kaner, I apologized to my parents when I was called to ministry. So I felt that God called <laughs> me to ministry and I called them up seven days later and I said, I'm really sorry, but I'm called to ministry. And I know it's terrible <laughs> and these people are going to be terrible, but like God said, do it. <laughs> That's really good. And it really brings a, a follow-up question here because I was looking at the mission statement of Truett McConnell and it says from the very first verse to the very last tribe. Can you explain more about um, how that value is part of the de degree programs? And if someone's watching or listening and they're thinking, man, I, you know, seminary may be the option for me. What are the first step of knowing how to enroll or how to engage someone to uh, in, enlist, enroll there at Truett McConnell? Well, and, and, the, that tagline from the very first verse to the very last tribe really represents our two centers that we have here at Trivacomal University of the Creation Research Center led by Dr. Kurt Wise, right, PhD in, in paleontology from Harvard University, and Van Sanders, who runs the World Mission Center, who was a missionary to Kenya and with the North American Mission Board, of course, is investing in our students on a daily basis there. It is something to which we want all of our students to go on a mission trip. And so it's part of our curriculum. We have a Great Commission minor where you have to do a missions encounter class where you learn to share Jesus or you do a mission trip where you learn to share Jesus. And I've had the high honor of taking our students seven times to Thailand myself and going on other trips, of course. Our students and even in their ministry teams, what we call move teams, are reaching out to homeless or reaching out to Clarkson community refugees, et cetera, et cetera. It is... Uh, it's our DNA uh, in so many ways. And I'll add one thing, especially as it comes to creation. Um, you know, there are more than 50 Baptist universities across the United States. I always wondered why no school represented the young earth uh, creation recognition, the historical belief that really the first uh, 17 centuries of the church uh, believed uh, and they just didn't stand on it or stand on it firmly. Uh, and so we determined to do so because it's 95% of the pew, number one. Why in the world they wouldn't be represented beyond me. But two, I've always found the other theories wanting. And I'll just use one example. I know we're so limited in time here. Uh, one of my heroes is a guy named W.A. Criswell, was, who was a gap theorist. And it just blew my mind. He is perhaps the most brilliant expositor of his age. Um, and yet he held to a theory that was constructed upon not the verses of Scripture, but was between two verses of Scripture, Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. That was the gap, right, that somehow can fit and mold, make compatible a progressive creationism or even a theistic evolution of sorts. No other theology would allow that, right? If you're asked, hey, what's your soteriological belief, right? What do you believe about salvation? Well, my belief's between John 3.16 and John 3.17. We'd all just stare and go, what are you talking about? Just tell me where, if your view of the church is between Matthew 16.18 and Matthew 16. 
But for some reason, we have allowed that with creation. And that is an oddity to me. That is an insult to true hermeneutics uh, and the idea of sufficiency of scripture where the Bible's enough. Uh, we don't have to explain it away. We simply have to expound it as we preach it. So I guess to your latter question is, we want to make sure we get the broadest uh, platform to give anybody in Georgia or Southeastern nation the most biblical education. You're called to ministry, for example. We'd love for you to be coming here and, you know, I can hang with you in office and we can mentor all that stuff. Uh, or you can go online uh, because we have that as well. As you know, the Georgia Baptist Mission Board is very, very kind in offering scholarships for those who are called to ministry. One of our few state conventions that do such a generous thing where you can get up to $1,440 a year as you're called to ministry and invest. And so that's crucial to us. We are never going to have healthy colleges and universities unless we have healthy churches. And we'll never have healthy churches unless we have healthy pastors. Mm -hmm. so undergraduate and graduate, it's all online. It's all residential. And we have a list of degrees you can have uh, from ministry certificates in counseling to undergraduate in Christian studies, undergraduate in global studies, graduate degrees, master of divinity, master of arts in theology and master of arts in global studies and so forth. We love doing it. Yeah. So I, I was wondering, uh, Scott and, and Dr. Kaner may know the history on this, but do you think W.A. had a, a particular suit when he preached that gap message? You know, he, 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 he was known for wearing certain suits for certain messages. I was just wondering. Boy, and he would wear his most infamous or famous suit was the white one. Yep. Yes. <laughs> but I'll tell you, one most, the most fascinating thing is Criswell, of course, graduating from Criswell College myself from uh, back in the day then, would, they preached every verse of the scripture from 1946, I think, to 1963. 17 years it took him. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. So three messages a week for 17 years. And the people who joined, because the church absolutely exploded during that time, didn't remember the date that they joined. They remembered the book that they joined. Yeah. What a fantastic testimony of a man. So yeah. I joined during Exodus and they were so excited. And some poor sap, well, I joined in Revelation 22. I didn't get it. Right. You know, and <laughs> it's, that, that's a great testimony. Yeah. Yeah, well, and so, you know, when we when we plan these broadcasts, we really like to have hard-hitting questions, and so, uh, you know, Scott really teed this one up for me, and this is maybe the most critical one of the entire broadcast, but we want to know what the best food in Cleveland, Georgia is, and I want to know personally if you miss Skyline Chili from Ohio. Oh. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll get to the latter first. Sky, if, 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 if people listening, especially your Georgian here, You've never been to Ohio, especially Cincinnati area. You've got to go to Skyline Chili. Only what if you want to know why it is. Now it's not as great as White Castle, but nonetheless, Skyline Chili. You either pick spaghetti or fries, and then you have a three, four, five way, right? Mm. And, and the only question, because you're going to have this mountain of food with onions and jalapenos. That's the three, four, five way. Only question is, do you want to take the rest of the day off or not? That's right. That's right. Um, but it's un you're really trying to get me in some theological trouble. I am. I really am. So, and now we know about White Castle, and people can judge you in a whole new way. Oh, listen! If you don't have to flip your burger, that's fantastic. That's uh, <laughs> you know, cut the horns off and, and feed it to me. Uh, 
man, it, I'll tell you my hot spots in no progressive order. There's a great restaurant right in downtown Cleveland called Clyde's uh, that is named after a man's hunting dog. If you ever get a restaurant named after a man's hunting dog, go, go in there. The man knows how to cook. He knows how to make a slab of meat. Anybody who knows me knows I'll eat anything that used to have a parent and that he, he does it right. The, uh, most nostalgic place in town is Glenda's, uh, named after a woman just passed away a few months ago. The best desserts in all the land. Her key lime cake is second to none and all the things they do there. But, you know, we're, we're next door to hell. And there are so many incredible restaurants there. But our favorite, we've gone there every Mother's Day. We'll go there this weekend, is uh, Mueller's Fried Cheese Cafe. It's <clears throat> by Czech people. Uh, two Czech owners. My wife, of course, is Czech, and uh, we've become good friends with the owners. If you haven't had Czech food, you need to go there, or German or Hungarian. They do it all. But my favorite dish in all the world is there. It's a Czech dish called svičkova. It's man's food. It's a slabs of sirloin meat along with uh, dumplings, but Czech dumplings that look like hard dumplings. It's fantastic. And then it's roasted, and the meat sauce is put over there with vegetable sauce. It's unbelievable. You're talking my language. I am going to close this broadcast down and I am driving straight to Cleveland, Georgia to go eat at Clyde's. That's what I'm talking about. Well, I'll take you. <laughs> hey, you're on. I'm going to make a trip down and I will buy you some lunch. Love to hang out. Listen, Dr. Kanner, it is really just a joy to be with you. And we appreciate you sharing these things with us. And we, I want to encourage you folks. Uh, we're going to put a link to uh, Dr. Canner's website, where books where you can get from him. Listen, he's not just one of the brightest men that I've ever interviewed, but he's just one of those guys that if you are looking for a great college, uh, Truett McConnell's a place that you can trust, get theological foundational teaching um, as you grow in the Lord. And uh, so I would encourage you to get those books and check out Truett McConnell College for sure. Now, friends, if you want to engage with uh, leaders like we did today, let me encourage you to do something. Um, we've created what we call learning communities, about 40 of those all over Georgia, where we're having conversations just like this around a table, around a lunch, and they are talking best practices and they're getting encouragement and they're connecting with other leaders in their region. I want to encourage you to join one of those learning communities. We'll put that in the uh, chat as well, gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship, where you can get more information on that. So Dr. Kanner, Dr. Dunn, thank you for sharing with us today, guys. Thank you. you bet. And guests, thank you for engaging with us as well. And my prayer for you as you go through your rest of your week is that you will reinvest the gospel seed that was shared with you. Thanks for listening to Georgia Baptist Discipleship Podcast. And we want to give you a gift. The five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world impacting disciple makers. You can get this by going to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com that's ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com this five page pdf is a discipleship alignment checklist that may surprise you it will help you learn why programs are killing your discipleship the number one default worker strategy that keeps churches from empowering their ministries 
Learn the OGV factor and how it can revolutionize discipleship, attendance, and evangelism in your church. Again, go to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five, discipleshipshifts.com. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptist to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship. And by the way, if you found this content helpful, we sure hope you'll share it with a friend. And thanks so much for partnering with us to make world-impacting disciple-makers.